0: to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality to access post podcast discussions insights and further resources visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded so thanks for joining me today now let's get to grinding yo yo welcome back to another episode of stay grounded this is raj and if this is your first episode tuning in welcome i'm so grateful and excited to be on this journey with you. And I cannot wait to be introducing this week's guest, Mr. Chris Winfield. So Chris is a great friend of mine who has really created a life that's all about helping other people. As the co-founder and CEO of Super Connector Media, Chris empowers entrepreneurs with their publicity and marketing so that they can get their message out into the world. And I'm going to dive a lot into what makes Chris so fantastic. But before I do that, I just wanted to give you a quick insight into his own story. So, January 2011, Chris Winfield checked himself into rehab after drinking since the age of 13. His addiction led to an isolated life, which had created a God-sized hole that left him wanting more. On the outside, everything looked great. He had a company with over 100 employees, a bunch of different offices, but he wasn't happy. And then a piece of pizza changed his life. During a phone call where he was trying to save his imploding company, or in his words, He couldn't even remember what the problem was that he was trying to put out. His three-and-a-half-year-old daughter appeared looking for breakfast, but Chris wasn't available because he was too busy doing work. The sight of his daughter stretching up to the microwave to reheat her own pizza changed him in a heartbeat. And he had this realization. If he couldn't be available for the most important person in his life, then something was drastically wrong, and he had to be different. And he has been. So for the last several years, Chris has really created a philosophy, and I love this philosophy, called hope, which is helping one person every day, and infuses it into everything he does. He's a -a one-of-a-kind human being, and just one of the most genuine and passionate individuals who really does, one, walk the talk, but help others do the same. And, you know, I love this story, or I love this episode, not because I'm a fan of Chris and the way that he navigates through the world, but... I think more so, I just I love stories where rock bottom moments create the catalyst for incredible change in our lives. And even more so, I love that we as human beings can infuse meaning into any of the rock bottom moments we experience. It doesn't matter if it's someone passing or something crazy happening like that in life, or even just a simple realization like a piece of pizza. I mean, really, one of the things that makes human beings so incredible is our own ability to apply meaning and intention and create stories in our minds that empower us to be one thing over another. And I think Chris's story and Chris's life, Chris's legacy and everything he's up to now is a beautiful reminder of that truth. So I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode, but I actually have an an exciting announcement Uh, If you aren't in the official Stay Grounded Facebook community yet, I would highly recommend going to www.rajana.com forward slash stay grounded to join before next week because this week we're going to be announcing a really exciting new training series that I'm going to be teaching personally on all the principles that we've been going over, the podcast, everything from fear to uncovering purpose. And how do we do that in a very practical and systematic way? So if you aren't in the Facebook group already, go to www.rajana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the Facebook community and get access to this free live training that I'm going to be doing that just covers how you can identify the different lenses in your life so that you can help yourself while helping everyone else experience the most of this one life we've got. But Without further ado, here is my good friend, Mr. Chris Winfield. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Hope everybody is fine and dandy wherever you are choosing to tune in from. Uh, This week's guest, my
1: man, Mr. Chris Winfield. How are you, brother? I am amazing because I'm getting to talk to you, getting caught up with my man. So what's going on? I think I'd be
0: hard-pressed to not start this episode with the first conversation we ever had. I still remember it was about a year ago. I was in LA doing a speaking gig and um, a mutual friend of ours had connected us to talk about work and business and just friendship in general. And I still remember it was raining outside. I was in a coffee shop. And uh, I get on a phone call with you and it's rainy outside, but you just came in busting with the most positive energy in the world. And uh, immediately, man, I mean, just firecrackers uh, ended up coming out to your live event. I think it was like three weeks later. Really, like kind of happened really, really, really fast. And ever since then, uh, we've been good friends and supporters of each other. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what can happen on one phone call.
1: Well, the crazy thing is this. that First of all, I feel like I've known you for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> first, even though you're, you would have only been like three or something. So, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, when you just said like a year ago, I'm like, wait, there's no way that's right. I've known him for so much longer. But yes, it probably was about a year ago. So here's the thing. Here's why it was such a immediate type of thing. I remember right before. So Alan Brower connected us. And he was like, this guy's awesome. I went and I looked at some of your stuff. And I remember I saw like a Facebook video. And I was like, this guy should be everywhere. Like, he's amazing. And then I remember getting on a call with you. I don't think that that's what you thought at that point, where that you should be everywhere, that you're like great on video or you have an amazing message. And I remember I'm like, oh my God, I got to make sure that this guy knows that and that he has to get his message out everywhere. And it's just been absolutely amazing watching you, like, do that. And I'm not taking credit for that. I'm just saying, like, that, that to me is everything. So that's, like, how I get so lit up when I talk to somebody like you or somebody who's just, like, doing good. And, like, maybe they just don't realize, like, how close they are to just, like, blowing up and to be able to impact so many people. And that's just, like, that's what just gets me so lit up. And I remember that call well exactly.
0: No, man, I appreciate that. And I think one thing that's always stood out to me about you is your genuine love for people. I, I want to start there because there's very few people that I know personally who are as amazing at making people feel a certain way, whether it's empowered or cared for or listened to or heard. I mean, it's, 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 it's a unique and beautiful skill set of yours. Did you always have that inner sort of interest in giving back to people, helping people, celebrating people? Or was that something you learned along the way? Where did sort of the inklings of your own genuine curiosity around people come from?
1: So no, I did not. Um, I was somebody that was more interested in myself, what I could get from people. Um, I was always curious about people. and I always had lots of friends and, you know, could fit in pretty much in any Circle, social circle is always popular, that type of thing. But I think, you know, there's a lot of insecurity and I was always looking for more of what I could get. And, you know, for most of my life, like I I, I got sober eight and a half years ago. So I battle and not even though I didn't think of it as a battle, but drugs, alcohol. And, you know, from the time I was basically 13 on and you know and that's a real disease of isolation and you know of like wanting more of you're always trying to fill this like you know the god-sized hole and i you know so that was eight and a half years ago january 3rd 2011 when i wound up going to rehab getting sober like that's when like it kind of started i didn't know at that point you know and the crazy thing is when i did that like i had had a great company i had you know cars. I had all these things. And on the outside, everything looked really good. And, you know, I'd always built lots of relationships with people and, um, you know, always rebuilt businesses through referrals and those types of things. But deep down, you know, I think I was always looking for what I could get um, and not as much about like what I could bring, what I could, how I could help somebody else.
0: When did that shift happen, I guess? Because when you're in that place where you're constantly taking, taking, taking and receiving, 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 it's a real step of vulnerability to switch that conversation i mean you're you're taking what made you feel valuable and safe and now you're you're flipping it so was there a moment an experience a conversation that sort of made you feel the courage to to flip that switch
1: yeah so i people talk about like all right i had a burning bush or a white light moment or something so Mine came in the form of a piece of pizza and really like literally a piece of pizza. So I get sober, change, start changing my life, things like that. I still had a company that I was a co-founder and that I started before all that, before I started to really change who I was. So you can imagine you attract like who you are. So I hadn't attracted the best people into my world, but I still had this company that was so tied to my identity, my ego, grown to like 100 people and a bunch of different offices. And it looked, again, looked great on the outside. And that company, so about six years ago, that company just completely imploded. So all like the worst things that I could have like ever imagined happening, like being really public and just like, just awful, like they all pretty much happened. So I'm dealing with this. This is like March of 2013. And I remember it was like a Saturday afternoon. I was living in Tampa, Florida at the time because we had no office down there. And I had a, my daughter was about three and a half at the time. I'm on this phone call trying to like, you know, figure out how to, you know, save this blah, blah, blah. It was like the most important call ever, which I don't know who I was talking to or what I was talking about. But at the time it felt like the most important call, which is I love saying that because it reminds me like so much stuff that I think is so important. It's such bullshit. Like, and I will forget it, you know, like something that I was worrying about yesterday. I will, I will not remember that in a week or, you know, forget in 10 years or six years or whatever. So my daughter comes down and she looks at me and she said, daddy, I'm hungry. And you would ask me who's the most important person in your world. I would say my daughter, my daughter, Vivian. But my actions didn't match up with that. I was, again, still very consumed with myself, my ego, things like that. So I said, one minute. And she knew that one minute did not equal one minute in real life. Like that that would be like 20 minutes, whatever. She walks over, opens up the refrigerator, goes in, takes out a piece of pizza, looks at me again like, really, buddy? Like you're going to just let me? And I'm just kind of watching her and I'm still talking. She takes this piece of pizza out. She goes, gets a chair, pushes it up to the cabinet, gets out a plate, puts the pizza on the plate, pushes the chair over to the microwave, opens the microwave, puts the pizza in, starts cooking her own dinner. Now, there's not like she's not now like some famous chef or something. So it's <laughs> like anything like that. It, all I know is that at that moment, for whatever reason, I had this feeling of I am so disconnected from people so kind of focused on me that the most important person in my life doesn't even feel connected or that she can count on me. And I just like, you know, and I probably had a hundred of those moments already in my, you know, in her life, in my life, but for whatever reason, that is the one that made me just be like, all right, I can't live this way anymore. I have to change pretty much everything. So one of the things that I started doing was I, again, like I felt, I knew I was disconnected. I'd been, you know, really focused on like living behind my phone and making money and all this stuff. And it hadn't worked, you know, like I was miserable. So I started doing this thing where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and meet one person every day and just figure out what I can do to help them. And I'm going to also be open, honest, and vulnerable with them. Now I had never done either of those things on a consistent basis. So I, you know, I would try to help people every now and then, but I definitely was never, I would never tell a story like this ever, you know, right. because I always wanted, especially in like, the, you know, like the entrepreneur world, everyone wants to appear successful and have it all figured out. And you never want to ask for help and right, all right, Yeah. Bullshit. And you know, that's what I lived behind. So I was like, well, that's not working for me. I'm not happy. I'm miserable. So why don't I just try the opposite? So I started doing this and, you know, I was really into creating habits for myself. And so I started doing it each day, meet with somebody or do a call, you know, but no matter what, do that. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And I would started basing my life around this question. What do you need help with right now? Now, I wouldn't always ask somebody directly out where because sometimes you know it depends. But like I could hear somebody like and what they're saying, I would figure out who can I help, how can I help this person? How can I connect them to somebody? How can I do this? And you know, as a result of that, everything just started to change because the law of reciprocity, which I didn't even know was a law at that time, but it states, you know, essentially like whatever you put out is gonna come back. So I stopped like having expectations. For all right, if I help this person, then they got to repay me this way or blah blah blah. And just started figuring out, and you, know, I've done that consistently since that time. And it became like you know, now it's just like this thing. But I just was doing it to try to change me. And all of a sudden, like or not all of a sudden, but like I look back and I was like, wow, I've done this every single day. And I kept, you know, and I keep doing. I still do it. It's unbelievable. But I had to actually do something to change that, you know, change that muscle. Who was the first person you helped? It was a um, guy who owned a web design agency in Tampa, Florida. I think he was the first person I met with. And I think he had, you know, wanted to like, see how we could work together or something. Instead, like I gave him advice about like, all right, here's like a way that you guys are are leveraging some, you know, something like that, just using... And he's like, oh, do you want me to pay or like how? And I was like, no, I'm good. Like, and I, that was it. So, you know, the, the best thing is like, when you don't feel like you're like stuck in your own head and like you can't get out of your own way, the best way to change that is to help somebody else to be of service. Yep. You know, that's all that I wanted to do because for literally for seven months, I didn't make one dime. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't want it, money for anything. So I'm like, all right, I am just going to focus on getting right with myself and getting right with other people. It takes a lot of faith. What did you have faith in? At that point, I, I mean, I had faith in God. I, like, I had started to develop a relationship with God for you know, the first time in my life, two, you know, about two years prior. And that started to change everything. Because it's, it's beautiful to me.
0: I mean... One thing I want to kind of focus on is you started helping people when you didn't know how you could help, mm-hmm. right? Which took a lot of courage, that first conversation, because I think that stops people from helping people or, or becoming a teacher or putting themselves in a position of giving is, oh, I don't have X, so I can't give. How did you personally get around that mindset of not having things to give in, in a traditional sense?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing was what I found almost immediately was that by being open with other people, it allowed them to do the same. So in my life since you know these changes, like people have told me things that and that I've just met that and then they say, Listen, I've never told anyone this in my in, in my life. Now that's helping somebody. I had to make that realization all right, I'm going to meet with this billionaire I have nothing of value, you know, this is the traditional way to think that I can help this guy with, he has everything, he's the happiest person, you know, none of that show. So just like by being able to actually be that person sometimes that just listens and actually says, yeah, I get it. Like I've met celebrities that I grew up like worshiping, not worshiping, but like, you know, loving their movie and like that have told me things about being insecure and, you know, all these different things. So that was one part of it. The other was, you know, sometimes just by actually taking advice from people, you're helping them. And what I mean by that, you know, this, like, you you meet with people and then like, you never hear from again. And, you know, like, you're like, all right, great. Like, what, like, but like somebody follows up with you and says like, Hey, thank you so much for your time today and then tells you how they actually implemented something that you said to them, that feels great. Like at least for me, you know, because a lot of people aren't good with that. They don't do that. Like I've helped many, many, many people and given them advice that, you know, I know will change their life and, you know, I never hear from them or like, you know, and so like sometimes just following up with somebody being genuinely appreciative is a game changer But I think the big thing was just this realization. I had the realization pretty early on that people are people are people are people. So getting rid of that idea that, all right, just because I am at X in my career or my profession or whatever, I'm not able to help this person because they're so far ahead or whatever it is, because it's just not the case because everyone needs some type of help. And especially one thing that I really realized was shared experiences, especially around things that are really challenging. You know, so I've dealt with addiction and, you know, I found that anyone I've ever met is about one degree away from that. So what I mean by that is that it's either they've struggled with it or somebody close to them, somebody in their family, a spouse, a business partner, a best friend, something like that. Almost without a doubt, same thing with something like a miscarriage or, you know, abuse or, you know, all these different things. Now, I think just by allowing people to be able to, you know, be like a safe space for somebody, you don't realize what that can do. So people have told me things again, like I remember a friend of mine, I was the first person that he ever told about being molested when he was 13. And, you know, the first person and somebody I'd only known for probably about a a year at that point, because I had always been so open with him about, you know, all these things that I've struggled with that wound up being something that completely, you know, set all these other things into motion for him and that he's been able to, you know, now deal with and become public about that and all these different things. But, you know, even before telling his own wife, you know, just because, again, like, so I think that that's such an important thing to just keep in mind and remember when you're you know when you're thinking of anyone.
0: I mean the human to human connection doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter what business you're in, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. That is the universal currency of life, right? Like the way you make people feel, the way people make you feel, the way the things you do influence the lives of others—I mean, it is all connected to this universal source of humanness. And what I love most about your story and and the way that you've developed this life of giving and helping people and and doing stuff for others is how human it is. Sometimes, in some ways, you are giving tangible resources or expertise, but more than anything, you're giving an opportunity to for someone to be heard, to feel valued, to feel safe. I mean, like, I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, I was thinking about you when I was thinking about this the other day. I've always been really good at giving help, but I've always been really bad at asking for help. I was trying to understand why, because when I help people, I feel amazing. When I have friends in my life and they ask me for help, I want to go above and beyond for them. I want to do everything I can because I want to help them. And I feel so good. You know, so it was almost like a realization, like, why am I robbing other people of the opportunity to feel so good about themselves?
1: It's so funny because it's exactly the reframe that I use for people. And I was just speaking last week in Toronto and then uh, doing a breakout after. And this woman was saying that uh, about, I said, "How how do you feel when you help somebody that you care for, that you think is a good person? She's like, amazing. And I really wanted to really uh, just snap her out of it. So I was like, so then why are you being so selfish? And she looked at me like, what? I was like, well, why are you depriving other people of feeling that good when they could be helping you? You're a good person. Why are you being so... And she was like, you took her on a a little jungle trip, dude. First, she looked at me like, you know, she hated me, but... But yeah, that's really what it comes down to is that, you know, the, that feeling and just allowing people to do that for you. And it's amazing how much more people want to help than we think. I mean, I think people, and this goes back to what you're
0: saying, you know, people want to help. They just feel like they can't for whatever reason. Maybe it's the conversation, the story they have in their heads, the conversations they're having with themselves, whatever it is, right? But you just give them a very simple way for someone to help. It is to be a friend. Even if they are not your friend, be a friend, open up your doors to love and 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 helping people feel heard and seen. You know, it's funny, I was uh, reading The Go-Giver. Have you read that book? Yeah. So, you know, he talks about, and this is really interesting, he talked about the natural cycle of giving is getting. Right, like you can't just give all the time without getting because ultimately then you're not following the rules of nature. Nature is a two-way street, you know, and so, one man's trash is another man's treasure. One man's mess is another man's message. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's all of it. It's, it's the duality of life.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I, I love it, man. I love it. So just a but, super quick thing. So in one of my, the, the book that really changed my life is a book called The Science of Getting Rich. I'm sure I've given it to you in that it has a line where it says nature abhors a vacuum. So meaning like it, the universe is just not how it works. It can't all just be going one way. It's always got to be. So
0: I love that. It's interesting, you know, because that book's about, it's, it's about the science of getting rich, right? But richness is experienced in every aspect of life. It's not just finances, right? Richness is in health. There's richness in relationships. There's richness in impact. And when you start to realize that it's giving and getting, it's, it, that's just an Energy source. Exactly. It is not tied to any physical thing. So you don't have to be in a position of wealth or a position of expertise to give or get. You just need to be in a position of being human. And I think everybody listening to this podcast, I hope so. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm speaking dog yet, but (laughs) everybody listening has that capacity.
1: What do you think stops people from being human? Ego. So one time I looked back and I wrote down all these different things, all these different like resentments, issues, anything I'd ever had. was so much. And it all came back to three words, fear, ego, and expectations. So any issue, any problem, anything that I've ever created has come back or to those and it's still the same. So fear, losing something or not getting something I want So ego, so really thinking, caring too much about like what other people think or, you know, what my selfish part in it or expectations of somebody or how something's going to go. So I think when I'm in any or all of those states, emotions, like that's it. I think that's what, that's what stops us. And I think the, you know, the biggest one I think for me is the caring too much about what other people think that is one that you know I still I don't want to say struggle but I am still challenged with is is that one especially in the world we live in it's really easy you know we live in a instagram highlight world and you know I live in the in new york city and you know the unbelievable neighborhood and you know there's just there's a lot to compare yourself but that I guess is the, that's the issue right there is like when we're comparing where we're at and, you know, to somebody else, because again, like we're seeing so much of the highlight reel version. And so that I think is the the biggest, the biggest points.
0: I think all three of those are actually rooted in fear.
1: Yeah. I think everything's rooted in fear. I think
0: fear is like this cloud that holds over everybody. It's a learned behavior. It's not something we're born with. It just masks us. And our entire lives are just a game of going from fear to some sort of love. Because especially in, in you, I mean, Chris, you're constantly in a public eye. You're constantly meeting with people that are doing incredible things. Like it's, I can see it being very natural that these feelings and insecurities come up. How do you, for lack of a better word, stay grounded
1: in all of it? Ooh, I like that. You should create a podcast called Stay Grounded. <laughs> uh, um, so, you know, it, for me, it comes down to certain things that I have to do each day and what I call my daily routine. Now, if I do these things, I have a much better chance of you know, feeling good, being grounded. You know, and what they really come back to is being right with myself and being right with God and then being right with other people. So the morning routine for me is unbelievably important. So how I start my day, the the things that I do are abnormally maybe important, but that's what it comes down to. So things like gratitude list, reading, um, meditation, uh, just connecting with people, doing, I have a very specific set of things that I do each day. I have a little tracker that I uh, click them off. Now, The reason I know that is that I know how well that stuff works because I've proven it to myself. And I know how bad things are when I don't do that because I've proven it to myself. So it's not just like I've always just done... I figured out what works for me. And then I just never had a bad day again. So unfortunately, what can happen to me and does happen to me is that these things work so well and I feel so good and life goes so well that I stop doing them. Yeah. It's too busy. Or I'm like, Oh, I feel great. I don't need to meditate. I don't need to write to gratitude, but all these different things. And I just inevitably, you know, and then I'll prioritize, uh, let me just check my email right away in the morning or let me just, you know, check Instagram for the 3000 time today or, you know, whatever it is, And, you know, then I stopped doing these things. And then inevitably, so getting back to like fear and ego and jealousy, and, you know, these things will just start to creep in. So I find that that is such an important one. And then the people I surround myself with, that doesn't just mean, you know, just in my immediate vicinity or anything, but it's so unbelievably important for me to have a conversation like this with a person like you. Now, not just for the connection piece, but also just to remind myself of the things that I already know sometimes. So meaning like I'm always looking to learn something new, but also I need to sometimes just hear myself say something to get reminded so that later on when I forget or I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do this. And then I'm like, listen, you were just giving that advice. Like take your own advice, man. Mm. So like sometimes that's what's needed as well. So it's so unbelievably important to have people in your life that you're able to talk about these things with. To me, that's been one of the greatest things for happiness and success is the people that in your network, the people that you surround yourself with. I can't put enough emphasis on that. Both your rituals,
0: whether it's mourning, gratitude, or even just keeping people in your circle, it all comes back to reminding yourself of your own greatness. Mm. Reminding yourself of what you have within, what you already know, right? Like it's like reminding yourself that, you know, hey, you know what? I do have the answers or I have some answers. I may not have all of them, but these people believe in me, right? When I do these exercises, I'm reminded of the things I have, right? Especially gratitude. Gratitude is a massive thing for me. I mean, I can't, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and in any, anywhere I go. I mean, gratitude is the ultimate cheat code, I think.
1: So funny that with gratitude, because, so I write each day two gratitude lists, one for what I'm grateful for right now. And then one I'm grateful for that just hasn't happened yet. Oh, I love that. It's so powerful. So you write it as if it happened to like, and then you just, your brain and your subconscious starts to be like okay cool and then the universe just makes it happen so but i was reading something the the first thing i read this morning was a book and it said um something like you want to really like just get yourself in the state of gratitude right now write out a hundred things you're grateful for so i was like this is literally the first thing and i usually journal for like five minutes more so you know what all right i'm actually gonna do it so a lot of times i'll read something like that in a book and i'll be like oh that sounds like a great idea I'll like, you know, mark the book to come back to and then never do that. So I'm like, all right. I, and I sat down and I write, wrote out a hundred things that I was grateful for right at that moment. And what I do with a gratitude list, I, always, I have a friend that I've done it with for five or six years that I text him my gratitude list each morning and, you know, he texts me. So it's like the accountability. You also get to like know somebody so much better because you get to see like the things that that are really going on, that are really important. So yeah, gratitude is everything.
0: I mean, it's beautiful. I've always believed, like gratitude for me allows me to reframe any negative thing, feeling, relationship I have in my life into something positive for myself. It's like a cleanser. It washes over everything. You can't be grateful and angry. Can't be grateful and sad. You can be, and, and I love it as a tool for connecting with people right? Like that's such a beautiful way to connect with anything. We used to do this. I don't know why we stopped in our team meetings. You know, we used to start each meeting with like just one thing we were massively grateful for. And I think some of my favorite things was hearing what other people are grateful for because gratitude is like a shared emotion. It's like a smile. There's no language, right? Like appreciation, gratitude, they they're they're universal concepts and i i think they they connect people
1: yeah i i love that um so we anytime like we're meeting with somebody or like a client or something at our home we'll always end it with what are you grateful for and right now like from today and we also every friday in our company the whole company does a we call it the weekly wins call so where we focus on, you know, a win and something I'm grateful for. And it's just like, that is literally my favorite. And that's it. There's no like nothing else. It's just that like everyone just goes around on Zoom, boom, boom, boom. And um, that's my favorite call of the week. I
0: love it. It's kind of funny. I actually stole that from you. Oh, and good. We, we do that too. Every Friday morning at 8 a.m. It is just that's wins and shout outs. We it's shout out somebody we're grateful for on the team for helping us do our job a little better and we celebrate something and celebration usually always roots itself in gratitude because it's perspective, right? Especially wow. when you can, I mean, gratitude is really celebrating the small things. Yeah. Well, it exactly. is. It's a daily celebration. It's finding the celebration in anything that's going on. And I think it's, it's, it's so amazing. I love just how you embody that spirit because having two lists, is awesome. I love that. Totally stealing that too. I think I'm just going to steal your entire routine, Chris.
1: Um, (laughs) I'll take a screenshot of, I have it all in a little thing because I click it off after I do it. So I will, I'll send it over to you.
0: Let me ask you something. You said that, you know, you'll stop doing these things, you know, when you're doing it really well, generally speaking, how do you show up when
1: you get reminded that you need to go back to this? Jen is a great reminder for me. So Jen got my life and business partner who is also friends with Raj. And he's a great reminder of like, listen, you're, you're off the beam. And now I don't necessarily want to hear that, but I need to hear that. So again, like having somebody like where you're able to be accountable to, like, or, you know, the guy who I do, my friend who I do my gratitude list with, like where people can call me out on something like, I need that, even though I don't, don't necessarily want to hear that. But I think, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't always work. I think pain becomes a great motivator. So if I get to, and, and my tolerance for pain in terms of emotional, psychological, spiritual pain is much lower than it, you know, it used to be. So I, I used to carry around lots and be able to just stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down. But once you see the light, so to speak, then that becomes much harder because you know what life can be you don't want to go back. So I start to just realize, oh, wow, like, why am I, you know, being triggered by this? Why am I feeling um, jealous of that? Like, what's wrong? And then I got to look and be like, wow, you're not doing, you're you're not putting in the work, Chris. That's usually the thing that gets me back. I love that it's always, that's always
0: been the antidote though. It doesn't matter what the damn problem is. It's like, I just need to get back to my morning practices that make me feel good and connected to what truly matters. And that solves everything.
1: Without a doubt. And I, so I'm really trying right now to, so I, we went away to Greece and I you know, came back and this amazing vacation. And, you know, it was the first time I'd taken a vacation in a while and blah, blah, blah. And I came back and like, I had gotten away from a lot of this stuff because I'm on vacation. Why would I do that? Why would I want to feel good on vacation? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I get back and you know, like, like all this like fear and all this stuff, like, I feel like I've missed so much and blah, blah, blah. And I realized like how out of line and out of integrity with myself and out of alignment I was. So, I started doing this stuff. And so here's an interesting experiment I'm doing right now. So I love I love books. I love reading. I've, you know, books have changed my life. You know, I think books in terms of people wanting real change, like I think it's like one of the most overlooked things of like what you can get from reading yep. one or two. Like so science of getting rich. I probably read 150 times. Like that book has brought me so much money, peace happiness. Like I could never repaint the guy's been dead for a long time, but you know, and you know, all these different books. So there's a book called master, the master key system, also another book, 1910. And it's a book that I had always had. And I would all, I only ever got through chapter four, maybe chapter three. So I looked at that and I was like, Hmm, This is a very, very dense book. And it's also, as you know, so it's also done as a series of 24 lectures. So you're supposed to do an exercise every day for like a week. And, you know, it's like the first one, as you know, is like sit and don't move, like get control of your body. And like, so i had only ever gotten to chapter three. So I was like, wow, I'm going to do this thing where every single day I'm going to read one chapter, the same chapter for a week. And then do the exercise. And I'm going to hate it, but I'm going to prove to myself that I can do it. So that's what I'm doing currently. And I'm on like, and it's, of course, it works. And of course, it's changing my life. And so I'm saying it publicly. I'm calling it the master key experiment. Dude, I,
0: man, I, I bought that book. I can't, I don't remember when. It was a few years ago. It was deemed as, one of my mentors told me, it was the only personal development book I'll ever need to read. And of course I didn't finish it because when someone gives me that type of like when someone tells me that, it's just like, why the hell would I read the whole thing and actually do what it tells me to do? But I think I stopped doing it because it was so difficult. Like it It was so difficult. It was like it was like actually committing to the practice. And I guess, Chris, I have a question for you, man. Like, why is it so hard to do things that are good for us?
1: I think that we've gotten so accustomed to things being easy and you know being able to live comfortably and i use comfortably in quotes that when something like the it's been said like the hardest work you'll ever do is the mental work and so most people don't want to do and i think we've been conditioned that way i didn't have that i never had that type of role model or anything growing up where it was like oh here do this like you know and so i i feel like that's part of it is just that you don't have to do it. Like you can live a nice, comfortable, easy, pretty easy life, but you're going to be at like a, you know, a thousandth of your like actual happiness, potential or fulfillment or anything. So I think that, you know, that's it. And I think also there's a lot of skepticism that is brought in, you know, where it's like, oh, wow, you're going to, you know, read this book. Here. What the hell is sitting still and not trying to and trying to control your thoughts gonna do and trying to tap into the universe? So I think that you know, those are the big things. And you know, I know for myself, like I never wanted to do any of that stuff. Like, you know, now like I have to, like I know it works. Like I can't deny it to myself. I don't have to prove it to anyone else. Like I don't care what anyone else thinks or whatever. I know for myself that it works and you know that's why i think it's all about like just remembering and then being okay and like all right i'm going to recommit to this and i'm going to do it and you know and i missed one day you know i said that i'll never miss one day i've missed one day so far but i kept doing it and i think that's like part of it and you're putting yourself in
0: in some amazing shoes right now to to help people and empowering people to share their messages right? Like even that holds itself as somewhat of an accountability tool for you to continue investing in yourself and, you know, like your purpose and the business you're building. And I do want to talk about Unfair Advantage because like you're helping a lot of people. So like, how does even the work you're doing come back to keeping you accountable to the quality of life that you're creating for yourself?
1: Yeah. It's really interesting because We run a company called Super Connector Media. So, Jen Gottlieb and I are partners in that. And we call it PR done differently. So, it's a PR company, but unlike any PR company that's ever been out there. But we run an event called Unfair Advantage Live, which you've been to. And in that, you know, where we teach our system, but then also connect entrepreneurs with the top people in the media, like, you know, top producers, top editors, journalists who are always doing New York City because that's where everyone is. But a big part of it, as, as you can probably attest to, is like, it's more about the personal development side. So yeah. putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations. So for a lot of people, these the type of people that we typically are, we're, we deal with people that don't necessarily see their greatness. They, they're crushing it in their business and blah, blah, blah. But they don't necessarily see themselves as like being somebody who can really spread a big message or get out there, whatever out there means for them. So it's about helping people to overcome that. There's so much in baked into what we do where we're putting people, it's like uncomfortable, but like the growth is exponential. So here's a funny example of this. I am very, very uncomfortable dancing in any way. So Jen is, you know, is not. She was like a broadway, She's <laughs> yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So there's, you know, a little bit of dancing and stuff in the between breaks and one of the people, this woman Sarah Nannon, who you probably know, is this amazing um, woman and coach, and she saw me on stage and she saw that I looked uncomfortable and I wasn't really doing anything, and she called me out on it. And you know, and I said, you know what, I'm going to take a dance lesson. Now I said, in within 30 days, she had like sent me a Facebook message after, and you know, it was like, you looked uncomfortable, maybe you, you would want to try something. And to me, taking a dance lesson might not sound like a big deal to uh, other people. That was like the scariest possible thing I could do. Ballroom (laughs) dancing. like I said, within the next 30 days, it's so busy, like right after and everything, I'm going to do it. And then I remember on like day 29, I was like, oh shit, I haven't done it. So I asked Jen, like, let's go. We're going to do a ballroom dancing (laughs) class. And I did it. You know, and because I always want to be pushing myself. Like, if I'm asking people to get uncomfortable, put themselves out there, I'm going to do the same stuff every single day. And I'm going to try to become the best version of myself every single day. Now, I'm not going to do that 100% ever. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I just talked about all the times where I fail at this stuff. But, you know, the big thing is, and the number that I always think about every single day is 51. So I just need to want this stuff and to put in the effort a little bit more than I don't. Like, that's it. And I think that's like the beauty. That was one of the most liberating things for me was that I just have to, 51% of me has to want it more than the 49% that says, don't read the master key system again. Don't take that dance lesson, whatever it is. And I just have to be willing to put myself out a little bit more than I'm not. And when you just tap into that, everything in your life can change. Because the 51, a day when you're at 51% will get you to a day when you're at 98% or, you know, 93%. Like, and you can just absolutely crush it. So that's it.
0: I love that, dude. Uh, And it's funny. I think I heard this quote a little while back. Uh, It was a 90 is still an A. That quote got me over my own sort of conversations with perfection. You know, like I, I used to be a perfectionist and, you know, I wanted everything to be perfect and I actually even not even hire people and grow because I was like, oh, they can't do 100% of what I can do. Yep. But the 90% allowed me to get over the fear of it being absolutely perfect. And if I was 90% confident, and if I, if I got a 90 in, in college, man, I was thrilled. I mean, I, I was an A. That's all I wanted. I just wanted an A. And I love this this mindset that you're sharing because one, it's even less, it's 51%. Yeah. Right? Like You just need to be at least a little more than half sure that this is the right thing to do. And then if you do it and if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you made a choice and it's just, it's that dance of doing things that you're uncomfortable doing. That's it. And I think the more things you do that are uncomfortable for you, the more you get used to realizing that Ultimately, whatever you experienced is just—it's a story, and you don't have to stay uncomfortable. It's—it's it's, it's all just fear. Everything is fear, and it's always the fear of something that hasn't happened yet. Is exactly that it hasn't happened yet, so it's actually not real. It's just—it's—it's it's what you choose to focus on, and I think that's very empowering, man. I—I I, I love that message, and I just love the work you do, and I just love you. I'm such a fan, man. This has been such an amazing conversation. We've had so many of these. I know. Never been recorded. And uh, so I'm just glad that this particular one was captured. Um, So Chris, if uh, if anybody wanted to get in touch, learn more about the work you do and the impact you're making, how did they go about doing that? Give a quick blurb, man.
1: You can go to chriswinfield.com, C-H-R-I-S-W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D. Or find me on Instagram, Chris Winfield. And our event uh, that Raj mentioned is called Unfair Advantage Live. So that's unfairadvantagelive.com.
0: Beautiful. And all of you, don't worry about writing all that stuff down. We'll make those available in the show notes. Chris, I got one last question for you, brother. And I already kind of asked you this, which I'm really annoyed about. I like to end on this note. So I'm going to try and phrase it a different way so I can get a different answer from you. But in the midst of everything you've seen, all the transformation you've had, and how you continue to grow, the original question is, how do you stay grounded? Mm. But I want to phrase that a little differently. And what keeps you
1: grounded? Two words, remembering and perspective. So remembering that there's something greater than me. It's unbelievably important for me to remember that. And the perspective part of whatever situation that I'm going through, there's a reason for it. So there's so many things that happened in my life that I thought were the worst things ever, whether that was waking up in rehab and, you know, writing down today's the worst day in my life, whether it's losing a company, like whatever it was, and that wound up being some of the best things that ever happened to me. So having that perspective is so unbelievably important and, you know, it's everything. Beautiful.
0: Well, I really appreciate the perspective today, Chris, and I know you likely inspired a few listeners to uh, pick up that damn book and actually do what it says to do, because uh, you might be surprised uh, how you end up feeling at the end of it. But anyways, guys, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Chris. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon.